I supported um, MF Doom, um, and that was amazing. Um, I took a picture of him, he had took his mask off, and I took a picture of him, and I was so happy, like, I was like, oh, great. And his manager grabbed me by the throat and was like, give me your phone. Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to District Conversations. This week, I'm joined by producer and DJ Jamal Sul. The first time we met was in Provider in the Grand Social. Would that be, would that be correct? That yeah, sounds yeah. about right, doesn't it? Very long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2011 or 10? Yeah, like maybe, yeah. Jesus. That's, a, that's, that's literally seven years ago. Yeah, that's scary. So scary. You were DJing a long time before that, though. Yeah, I was playing... Um, I actually played a couple of places before Provider. Mm. But to be honest, it was just like whatever I was being given like as a gig, I just took. Um, I remember Craig Connolly gave us when we first started as a residency was for U-Bar and you guys had set up a little thing up there and that was cool because we were getting down to the heads to come down and it was a small little bar but it was just so hard to pull people in but then that faded and then we done the provider thing which was deadly as well god I can't even remember um, and then I done like house parties and stuff like that it was just like as I was starting out and all I played was hip-hop mostly mm. and then you got a couple of cool support slots as well around that time yeah um, all city were so kind for that um, I supported um, MF Doom um, and that was amazing I think that was just before did you meet him yeah did you his manager was mental yeah <laughs> um, I took a picture of him he had took his mask off and I took a picture of him and I was so happy like I was like oh great and his manager grabbed me by the throat and was like give me your phone and was like started to delete everything off oh, way. yeah it was really it was kind of scary because I didn't realise how big of a deal the whole mask mm. was but then afterwards then we retook the photo and I think it's on my Facebook somewhere mm. and it was with him and the mask and he was like he said to me I'm really sorry but it's just rules are rules yeah. okay fair enough um, I also supported Mike Slot um, a couple of years back as well which was absolutely deadly as mm. well um, such an inspirational man um, Oh my god, who else? I'd done an after party with Pusha T, but it wasn't an official like, mm. support thing, it was just anything. I'd done Grammatic as well, that was insane. Um, it was very different to what I expected, but it was pretty good. There was like 400 people there, and I wasn't expecting that amount of people to be at a support gig. Like, so. mm, yeah, it's cool. It's interesting with the, the whole MC support thing. You know, you're obviously there to get them hyped, and they're coming on and they're bringing a completely different element to it. So, like, how how do you sort of approach that? How how do you sort of think about, especially for someone like for Doom? You know, what do you do to to support MF Doom or to like precurse like MF music. Doom? Um, yeah, like it's a strange thing. It, it was be. weird because it was actually for MF Doom in particular. It was actually me and my mate um, David Lawler, and we actually spent a week kind of trying to figure out kind of what music to bring down. But we just went with let's play weird stuff because at least people would be like, oh, I haven't heard this song before. And we try to stay away from lyrical hip hop because mm. at the time, um, you know, stuff like Jay Dilla, that was becoming more of a big thing. Um, you know, debris, um, kind of more instrumental stuff that was kind of on the weird scene, like um, Kofi, stuff like that. And we just thought we might as well go for that kind of vibe. Mm. And at that time as well, All City were releasing those type of records, which- Gone around and stuff like yeah, that. Just yeah, just kind of like, that was more kind of instrumental and kind of more chopped stuff without the lyrics. Mm. And we just thought if we went for that vibe, nobody's doing that, let's just try that. And mm. I think I done the exact same for Grammatic as well. And that's why I was always getting booked was because 
I wanted to play out stuff that hadn't been heard or mm. just that was a bit different in terms of records, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then how did the watermelon parties come about? Oh, that was... Um, so me and a couple of the lads actually tried to run several different nights. We had a night called Hi-Hat and that was absolutely crap. <laughs> um, <laughs> Where was that on? That was on in the Trista Pepper and even coming up with that name, we were just clueless. Yeah, we, were so, yeah. we were so new to that whole scene that we didn't really know how to approach like gigs and stuff like that and then we came up with Hi-Hat and it was actually like a good few of us. There was like me, Brian O'Tuma, David Lawler, Dylan Higgins, um, Owen Hennessy and Lee Maher and we all just, it was just basic for us to play hip hop. Mm. So then after that, we ended up like, we had to take time off and people were so busy with college and work and stuff like that, that we ended up um, kind of going our separate ways. And then me and Liam decided, let's start a night called Watermelon. And we came up, Dave Lawler done the visuals and the graphics. And it was just purely less, I just wanted a night to play hip hop. Mm. And it got a bit of a vibe, mm. we didn't think it would. And we were given like a Wednesday slot, that got good. And then they gave us a Thursday slot and then they were really happy and then they gave us a Friday slot. So we continued on and then once that was brushed off, they had to cancel it because I think they, the manager of that, of the Bun Factory wanted to turn it, the whole vibe into kind of a living room thing. I, it was really weird. So then we approached the Shah, done the exact same thing, but the Sunday was just so hard mm. for like, in terms of the pull of a gig and it just wasn't soon because you know, you didn't have your full, um, you weren't in full element there because you know it's Sunday. You know you're working Monday, so you couldn't even party mm. at least. Like so, um, what we did was we I just stopped it for a year and was like, look, let's forget about it. And then I approached Linda from Pod and was like, here, do you have any slots going? And she was like, Chelsea Drugstore. Um, on, on sort of uncharted territory at that yeah, time. Like. And I was just like, okay, cool. Mm. And then Shane Hart was working there. And I was like, great. Like he used to work in Trist Pepper, so. We got on great, and mm. we just started that again, and still going. Yeah, yeah, um, which is great. It's great, yeah. We had, we had a little, we had a little district uh, watermelon crossover uh, there recently. That was good, good fun after very, the very fun. issue one launch. Yeah, I can vouch for watermelon being absolutely class. Yeah, <laughs> um, and then how, sort of moving on. Then how did you sort of make the leap into into production? Like, or were you always sort of doing it in the background? Um, I had always started. Um, I kind of started off when I think it was maybe two thousand and eleven. And you know, I was so new to festivals, for example. And my first festival was um, Block Festival in. It actually wasn't in London. It was in Minehead. Mm -hmm. And you know, I had a great time. But I had never seen any of those type of producers. I'd never seen any of that type of music. And I was really like, left field festival yeah, as well. It was just yeah. like it was just so there was so much feeling in it. And I was like, this is this is exactly what I want to do. So then I just downloaded Ableton, and you know, like bought the program and I was like pretty happy with just trying it out, hadn't a breeze. Mm. Like, and I was trying so many different types of things, I was trying to do hip hop, I was trying to do electronic stuff and then it kind of formed into this kind of weird sound and I was I was really happy with that but I just had no clue of production, I was just making melodies and you know if I listened to like the first song I made you can tell that the music is there but I just had no skills whatsoever. Mm. So then that kind of, I tried to do like more hip hop stuff and I knew, I, like as much as I loved the hip hop, it wasn't going that direction. So um, I just tried something fresh and just a new page. 
and start making my sound a bit more stronger. So then I could use elements from like stuff I listen to hip hop wise, or if I listen to like funk or soul, I could bring that in as well. And then I don't really know what to call the stuff I'm making at the minute. Yeah, yeah. It's it is sort of genreless. It's like a it's a it's a mix. It is it definitely it is yours. You know. Yeah, it was, it was. It took like, and it, it's funny because you don't really see when people talk about oh, how do you make your sound, or how did you get to making your sound? It was just time. Mm. Like, it took a very long time, but I didn't realize it was becoming a sound until, you know, just as recent. You know? mm, yeah. So it was really cool once kind of knowing that this is what I'm going to be doing. Then I wasn't afraid to try out new things, maybe to bring back the hip hop stuff, maybe to bring back like more, you know, classic stuff that I hadn't tried yet. Mm. So now I'm just kind of trying whatever. Yeah, yeah. Whatever sounds good. So you downloaded Ableton and then like were you sort of self-taught that whole time or did you sort of seek out any sort of... Um, I suppose I always, um, I used to play guitar and bass and I played in bands and stuff, so um, I always had the musical element there, so when it came to the program, I just YouTube channels like and just try to learn it that way. I had a couple of friends that actually knew the program well, and I had a few like, you know, just showing us how to do a few things, how to make a regular beat. And then when I started seeing like people having an NPC, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Um, and then like having a synth, and I always loved that mic. Do you remember the mic cord? Yeah. It came out like when I was in school, I think. And yeah. I was just like, I need to buy one of these. Yeah. So I had just one. to fuck around with like. Yeah, and I just had one for a while. I ended up selling it because I was moving house, and then I had to sell actually a lot of my like I had a, I had two guitars, I had a bass, and I had to sell mm. all of those because it was just moving so much. So then. And I only kind of got back into it properly by buying like you know musical equipment and stuff maybe in the last two or three years and I was just like you know what I better just just try it and mm. see what happens you know there's no there's no rules it's like I have I have so much like I don't have any anything to lose so mm. um, I just went with it and and then um, and then when did you start doing the course with uh, is Martin Clancy yeah um, so it's funny because. I heard his name drop so many times mm. that I was like, you know what, I, I'm just going to email him. Mm. So I emailed him around summertime and we were back. This summer just gone. This summer gone. Yeah. Right? And we were just emailing constantly and, you know, we'd meet up for coffee. There was no nothing planned and I just said, look, I'd love to do like a one-on-one because I don't know where I am. Like, mm. I could be anywhere. Mm. So I sent him a couple of songs and he was like, he was pretty happy of where I was. And he, he wanted, I just wanted to do like a mix down kind of course. And he said, oh, we'll try form something cool. And I was like, okay. And then eventually he said to me going, you know what? Why don't you just do the advanced Ableton course? And I said, all right, yeah, sure, why not? Mm. And he said, you probably know a lot of it, but I suppose it was, at the time, I just wanted to see like where I was mm. and I might learn new things, but I also mm. be confirming things I already knew. And like so. ironing out the bad habits and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, anything yeah. that, you know, I was trying if I was doing it right mm. and then it was also you know I wanted to get better at my own sound so this was just like it was like tip of the ice like I was just trying to tick off all the boxes mm. and it was probably the most the best decision I've ever really made yeah. Well. yeah yeah because yeah, it's interesting people there's that like deliberation in people do I do I seek out sort of you know a pro to help me or do I just go it alone but obviously that's like it's I, obviously benefited you um, I definitely recommend for anybody that's like um, you know trying to go that direction and even if like you know you got people that are just like you know 
all I love is music is like gear and like synths and stuff I only want to do analog mm. I was like but even so I just think it's so incredible to learn that as a as a backup even mm. if you're not going to use as a skill it. just as a skill because mm. it's like there's so much that technology is going to bring in the, mm. in the future like that we're just we want to know how to use it mm. so I even think like as for somebody that just has their own sound and they want to make it better definitely that course is right but even for somebody that doesn't even know what sound they are you're going to find it in there and some of the skills that I picked up in the class, I was just like, that's that's insane. I didn't even know you could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just because like you get so used to working on your own and like trying, you know, just basic things that you don't know the program that well. And then you get people that are professionals that obviously their skill is to teach this class. Mm. And I have to say the it's both both people that work in that um in the course, which is Martin and Vaz, and the two of them together are just like unbelievable at teaching. Mm. Um, they just they make you see outside of not just like music theory, but music production or technical stuff. But they make you see of like when you're making a song, what you shouldn't be thinking of, mm. which is great. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And and do you, do you find because obviously you're still DJing quite a lot? Do you find that um, how much does that help your production? Um, Keep it in I that see. in that realm. I think, you know it's funny, we were talking about this in the class actually, and it was like talking about song arrangement, for example, like how do people like make songs and make their song arrangement from start to finish, and it must be from, you know, DJing, because you just know the format of most songs, you know there's going to be a breakdown, you know that there's mm. going to be like a crazy bit, and they're all kind of functioning around the same kind of thing, so I'd say DJing helped loads, but also being able to listen to so many different like genres of music. Mm. It probably definitely developed my, you know, style a bit, like because um, I think from listening to like even things that, you know, like UK Garage was crazy in 2010, mm. and even having like elements of that into stuff now, I definitely think it definitely helps. Mm. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously you're doing stuff with Liam now. Yeah. Um, so um, what's it like being, you know, as a as a production duo as opposed to you know just you by yourself? What's the sort of fundamental difference in that? Um, you know, it's funny. Everybody would always ask us being like, it must be really hard to work with somebody after mm. working on your own. But me and Liam just literally, we just click. Yeah, we, yeah. Don't, we have no negative um, um, outcomes when we make a song. And, you know, we started off, it was like, you know, he lives in Kilk, his parents live in Kilcock. And we um, went over to his house and we were just having a couple of drinks. And we just made this one song. Now, it wasn't great. <laughs> but at the time, it's to us, it was like the best thing that we've done. Mm. And we were like, let's just tried us and we kept it like quite secret for like a year and just kept making and making and making and it was great because he always adds on the right elements because his music production is different to mine and we'd always be back and forth and sometimes you know it got to the stage where we couldn't meet up but we'd just send it by email we'd have the project open send it by email and he would um and he would just add his elements, or he'd be like, listen, I have a song, and you know, it's an Adir song, definitely, so do you wanna to add to him? And it could be as simple as, you know, me adding just a lead line, and that becomes the song, and it was great, because until now, you can even see, like, we're, we're only maturing as, as we go, we're learning, we're picking up skills from each other as well, like things that he'd pick up, or if I'd pick up, we're both, like, becoming, like our individual music is actually becoming even more stronger by working together, mm. so it's, it's amazing. And it's just, like, such a, um, What's the word? Um, it's so cool because uh, we have such a different project that's so different from our each individual music, mm. which is cool as well. Yeah, yeah, and a couple of gigs on the horizon. Yes, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> taking, taking a while. Yeah, 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 we'll get there. <laughs>
Yeah, you'll see. You'll all see. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully everyone will see. Yeah. <laughs>